0: what up y'all what is happening it is the unscripted here again (laughs) and i'm pleased to be back here and i got a special guest today jmkm my good friend josephine cruz um so if you're familiar with uh the serato twitch channel you've been watching for a minute you probably already familiar with jmkm because she uh she had a residency on here a little while ago for co-work but if you're not familiar uh, Josephine is a DJ, event producer, marketing specialist, and a very good friend of mine for a number of years. Um, Josephine has written and contributed to Hypebeast Com- Complex. She runs a radio station called ISO Radio and a record label too called Bear Selection. Um, and she's just like a, an all around inspiring person. And I I promise you, you'll be inspired by the things that we talk about today. She's always been putting me onto incredible information and, and concepts that have helped me immensely. So. Uh, without further ado let's uh, welcome josephine onto the show hello josephine
1: what's up cutting
0: <laughs> thank you so much for joining oh my us
1: gosh. applause <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah we got all the we got the uh we got the glockenspiel uh we got a bunch of things we can we can use here
1: that was such a nice intro i felt a little i was like oh my gosh thanks cut corners
0: well it's all true um but yeah, welcome to the show um thank you for being our guest today um how are you doing
1: i'm doing great i'm super excited to be here i i love this overlay and these graphics and shout out to spread love shout out to asian what okay so it's sometimes it's called aapi heritage month sometimes some people call it asian history month
0: yeah i'm not too sure I know in Canada that's it's different to the one in America, but in America, um, spread love, um, shout out spread love. Yes. Big, important, big shout out to Fran and Marky who have helped put on this event with us. And also it's probably good to mention that we have another event, um, this Friday, which features a bunch of incredible DJs. In fact, if you, uh, are in the chat, I want to, I want to pull up the lineup because we have a command already set up exclamation point lineup. There we go. And you can see all the DJs that are playing on our channel on Friday, but yeah, they um I think it's Asian Pacific um, American month.
1: Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month.
0: Okay, cool. We got so it. Shout
1: out all the AAPI bays out there. And hi everybody in the chat. This is so cute. I like I love going on streams where I'm I don't have have to DJ and I can just like chat and, and read the chat, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Shout out um we got we got some some fam up in here. We got Freezer Chin, we got Pretty Ricky. Uh Sunny James, <laughs> Noel. Happy Blowfish. Good to see you guys.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to do this and I'm just excited to have this chat with you Matt because you know, we always have like such interesting discussions when we just have, you know, talks on our own time. So, it's cool to be able to like do this and and share this talk with everybody. So, I'm excited.
0: Absolutely. Um well, first thing I got I got to ask is, is how you've survived the p- pandemic and um <laughs> Yeah, how are you doing with that
1: man barely let's put it that way um it's been a journey you know and i think that everybody's life has changed so much over the last year and and it kind of comes in waves you know like i think that um when the pandemic first hit the first two weeks were really like sort of a blur because nobody knew what was going on and and then i think after that kind of coasted through the rest of 2020 because I was sort of just like trying to focus on what I was doing like how am I gonna fill up my time now that my life is so different to how it was and and I've always been someone who likes to have like a project or something to keep me busy so I think I just kind of distracted myself for a lot of last year and then really when the one-year pandemic anniversary was coming that was like a big like, reflective time for me because I was like, wow, it's been like a full year of this, you know, and I was never someone who thought it was going to be over in two weeks, but I certainly didn't think that it was going to be, like, you know, more than a year of essentially being at home. And and uh, Toronto, where I live, is has actually been one of the, like, most closed and, and restricted cities in North America. Um, And also, you know, living in a city like Toronto that has very cold winters. We can't really have like outdoor stuff. can't have like outdoor dining. So um, yeah, it's been like a, it's been a journey, but you know, I think that when things were really confusing or when things were really scary, I just tried to tell myself like, you know, everybody's going through this. It's not like a a situation that's unique to me. And um, the only way out of something is is, through and you just kind of have to to keep going.
0: Absolutely. I don't
1: know if you can see this cat tail that's like flying around oh, yeah. here.
0: We can bring <laughs> Aki into the chat at any point. I think everybody is would be happy to, to meet Aki if they don't know about the uh, amazing cat that you have. Uh, it's is a. It's actually speaking of which, Aki's a Bengal, Bengal? Is
1: it? He's a Bengal cat, yeah. He's a interesting little cat that I'm sure that someone here has his emotes, um, Bengal cat is they look like a little leopard. They have like little leopard kind of spots and they're a very beautiful cat and they're very playful and curious. So that's why he's always like climbing all over everything when I do my streams.
0: Um, And brings us to my next question actually. I feel like you've been an early adopter of a lot of things um, and throughout the pandemic, you've been like really active on Twitch. Um, Mm -hmm. And like I was mentioned earlier, it was really awesome to have the co-work residency on the Serato channel. yeah, do you want to talk about like where yourself where you see yourself going with live streams or what anything that you've kind of and really kind of learned through the live streaming process?
1: Yeah, wow, it's it's been so like much fun, honestly, like learning about streaming and and when I first got on Twitch, you know, about a year and some ago, you actually really inspired me to uh, to get on it. You were like totally converting all of our like friends and DJ community and because I think at that time we were still kind of like people didn't really know what we were gonna do. Like some people had been doing the Instagram live thing, but I think like a lot of people knew that that wasn't really gonna be like a long-term solution for DJ streaming. Um, It's just like not a very great experience for the DJ or for the viewer. Um, And so, yeah, you you really inspired me to like at least give it a shot. And I think that I, similarly to a lot of people, was kind of intimidated by the like technical, like the perceived technical barrier to getting started. You know, I was like, that seems, hard to do and like what is this like new program i have to learn and stuff but when i kind of started getting into it i kind of became obsessed with it because i was like there's so much to learn and it's actually so fun and you know like it was like a cool creative outlet like what can i do with like these different graphics and what are these different elements i can like bring into the stream so um yeah i haven't been able to stream as much like lately but i definitely have loved it and I, i i see myself continuing to stream, no matter what happens, and I think the coolest thing about a, a Twitch channel is that, you know, I come from a background working in like media and editorial, and I really see it as like, you know, it's it's a media channel, it's a media platform, and it can be anything you want it to be. Um, it doesn't always have to be a DJ stream, you know. you can do stuff like this, like talking streams, you can do streams where it's just you talking yourself, or you have someone else with you, and you're having a conversation. And um, I think that's super cool to like, explore those options, like, what are your interests? And how can you use this medium to play with them or to express them, you know, Um, or to explore them. So that's kind of like how I um, view it and I'm going to continue using it to, to, yeah, to do all kinds of stuff. I've experimented with so many different things on my Twitch. Like I've done uh chatting streams. Like I, I personally, like a year ago would have been very intimidated to try to like sit on a camera and just like talk into a screen at people I can't see. But like I've done chatting streams that were like hours long, you know, like three hours long. Hi everybody in the chat. What up? Ray Domingo, white gold Feta. Feta said IG Live was whack. Yeah, it's I'd agree. Yep. <laughs> Um, But yeah, so I'm definitely going to keep streaming. And what was the other thing I was going to talk about? Oh, yeah, the co-work residency. That was like super cool too because, um, you know, that was a way for me to like tap into my like production, like event production side, um, but execute it for like a streaming environment. And um, it was so much fun. And it was kind of like, was kind of crazy because like we were still dealing with like changing restrictions in Toronto. So, you know, the residency was like three months long and like three months in the pandemic is like an eternity. Like so many things can happen during that time. And it did, you know, like the, the situation for us changed from the beginning of the residency to the end, um, where certain things weren't possible. We originally were having the streams at like a, a club venue, essentially a performance venue called the Drake underground.
0: Shout out Wilson and the Drake.
1: Shout out Wilson, love him, love the Drake. That, that was uh, where we used to have the the real co-work, the IRL co-work, which is why we, like, I thought it would be cool to have it there. Um, and obviously, they weren't doing anything else at the time because they are closed. So, uh, but we had to switch that up and then um, ended up doing it at a few other locations. And, yeah, it was, like, really awesome. It was cool to, like, keep the spirit of, of something like co-work alive uh, in a different way. You know, the whole point of Co-Work the Party was really about bringing people together and and collaborating, which is why the name was Co-Work. And um, yeah, so it's kind of cool to to see something like that sort of take on like a new life and um, become something that you maybe didn't expect it to be like. I never, ever thought I would do like a Co-Work live stream, but, you know, we did eight of them and they were all amazing. And um, I loved the way that we represented Toronto in those streams like. The music was so good, and, and the music was so varied every single time as well, which was awesome.
0: Yeah, that was one of the things I really liked about it too. You really had such a, a great like uh, lineup of different artists every week, um, and one of the things I always really like about your streams, uh, J.M. is that you do really connect with your audience. Like you're you like I think that's one of the things that, um, especially about your streams is you, you know the way you talk to your your you know the people you that are watching. You, you really connect with them, and I feel like is that is that one of the the best rewards of the streaming time for you Can, like these new connections
1: oh yeah totally like it's so funny because i feel like my own my own dj streams on my channel have kind of become like the dj part is like super secondary now, <laughs> which is totally. again something i didn't expect and um you know it's uh but it's been great like i I'm a people person like and i'm you know i'm a social person and and i think um something about me too is that before i actually dj'd myself i was more of like you know promoting at parties and i was kind of like like essentially like hosting i guess you would call that hosting i didn't know what that was then but like um you know i was like selling tickets and bringing people to parties and then when they would get there i would be like getting them drinks and like you know like doing the the social part of it and so um, that's always been a big thing for me. At, at even when I started DJing, I was always like playing that role. And so um, I kind of see that happening now, like with my own streams. It's just like a very social. It's like catching up and like hanging out and like lots of chatting. And and uh, you know the people who are regulars in my chat, many of whom are here now. You know we know so much about each other. Like they know so much about me. I know so much about them. We've had like crazy in-depth conversations and hilarious times. LivinProof said, I was getting my Fran Boogie on. Exactly. Fran Shout Boogie out, is Fran. like the, the goat of that. I've never seen someone else on Twitch who's got a little purple check mark and I don't think Fran's ever done a stream on his own channel.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm actually curious to know if, Fran Bo- if we can get a Fran Boogie DJ set one day.
1: <laughs> I would love that. Fran, let's make it happen.
0: <laughs> you already said, no, <laughs> no, that's not happening. <laughs> um, okay, so, on a, like, I don't want to go too deep on the Twitch thing, because we're obviously here, and people that are here probably know a little bit about it, but um, yeah. I do want to know, what is your favorite emote on Twitch?
1: This is such a hard question. Like, it's so hard. I don't know. There's so I many mean, good ones. There's so many good ones. So, the one that I definitely use the most from my own channel is the little dancing Lisa emotes, um, which is inspired by a GIF or GIF, however you say it. Um, you guys have probably seen it. It's like Lisa, like shaking and she's like dancing. Yeah, there it is. And um, yeah, that one always reminds me of my friend Mimi who um, has helped me a lot with my channel since the early days. She's done like a lot of my emotes and a lot of graphics and stuff like that. So. Um, I made we made that emote in honor of her and I love that one because I use it so much like when there's great music playing I'll just like throw it up um, So that's a good one. And then honestly Don't sleep you guys don't sleep on the twitch stock emotes either There's some like really good ones like yeah, the like the, salt the, little, one. the salt one is so good and then the guy making the touchdown arms. Oh,
0: yeah touchdown
1: is yeah. so great like when someone does like something sick on their stream. Like, I put those up all the time when, like, Scratch Bastard or, like, Miles Medina is playing and they, like, do some crazy trick and then I I always throw up that guy. Um. (laughs) There's so many good ones though. And then I also also use um, the Future Beats show LFG emote a lot. I really go overboard
0: with that one. Yo, Yeah, shout out Future Beats one time, man. And congrats to Complexion on getting the BBC uh, Yeah, Future Wave. So
1: many- What's your favorite emote, though? I need to know.
0: Oh, I got a, I got a few. Um, shout out DJ Marvel for the um, LFGO Lego flip. I'm a big Lego fan. So the homie right there hooked that one up. Um, I got, oh, Spinyarita has fantastic emotes, too. Her homies one with, you know, the homies little toys. It was Yeah, oh, I man. love that undefeated. Uh, I yeah, like there's...
1: how everyone's now throwing up their favorite emotes. Show them to yeah, us. Yeah,
0: yeah, let's let's see those favorite emotes. Throw them up in the chat.
1: Yeah. Also, can we just appreciate for a minute that uh Matt and I are both matching the overlay?
0: <laughs> this was planned.
1: <laughs> I came on to do the sound check and I was like, "Matt, your hat is matching. Now I feel like I need to match." And I like went and scrambled and found something. It's kind of matching, right?
0: Yeah, I love it. It's, it's fantastic. Um, <laughs> so, also, I want to take a, a moment just to um, acknowledge and show love to the mods because I feel like modding is a, an art that I have definitely learned to appreciate. And you have fantastic mods, jo- uh, Josephine. Oh, man.
1: I've got the best. The best of the best. I think at first I didn't really understand why someone who didn't have like 50,000 viewers would need a mod. I just didn't really get it. Because when I first came on on uh Twitch, those were some of the first channels that I watched were like, you know, gaming streamers who have like very, very high viewership. And I was like, okay, I can see what's happening here. There's like some modding going on. But I was like, I don't know why I would need this if I have like 50 people watching me. But it's like you do you need it, you know? Like, um, the mods keep it together and keep it all going. Oh my god, DJ Hobby beats. <laughs> Celebrity (laughs) sighting.
0: Mods, we salute you though. We gotta make sure we uh we give all praises due to the mods um for 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 doing the the
1: you know the hard work. Especially like for like remember how I was saying before I've experimented with so many things on my stream, you know I've done like I've hosted like a name that tune esque game. I've done like giveaways and like that kind of stuff requires like a lot of mod support and I'm always like bringing my mods, these ideas and they're just like, okay, let's do it. And, um, yeah, I love them for that. So Aggie, especially Aggie, uh, Mimi, happy blowfish. Who's my sister-in-law who is like everything. I love you guys all and night unknown. Oh my gosh. How can I forget Nick? I- I'm probably going to forget someone, but I love all the mods. Yeah.
0: Happy Modders day. I like that DJ Marvel. <laughs> <Yeah. Very laughs> <good>. um,
1: <laughs> we should
0: definitely not nominate a day for that for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, You've contributed to Complex Magazine and Hypebeast as a journalist, and um, yeah. I'd like to publicly thank you for helping me get some of my music publicized. But um, what was it like working music projects? Like, you know, what's that whole, How you know, how important is it to, for people to invest in having someone like yourself uh, when you did published, publicist kind of work for releasing mm-hmm. their projects?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, that's kind of like my background was really working in media. Um, I've worked on I like to call it both sides. You know, I've been the the writer and editor, and then I've also been on like the pitching side. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun working music projects in that way. It's a lot of work. And, um, I think that that's kind of something that people underestimate, not, not because they don't think it's hard work. I think people just literally maybe don't understand what exactly goes into it and all the little steps that you have to like take and, um, you know, gathering like your assets and putting together a great press release and, and figuring out who the people are to contact and um, how to contact them. And and not everyone is different. Some people might have different ways that you reach out or different ways that you have to position things for certain publications. There's a, like a lot that of strategy that goes into it, you know? And that's really what you are um, paying when you hire someone to do it. So I don't think that it's impossible to do for yourself as an artist or a DJ or whoever. Um, I think you can definitely do it for yourself, but it's also a lot easier to have someone speak on your behalf. Like, Mm, it's just a bit more impactful if I'm going to a publication and saying like, I have this artist cut corners, he's amazing, and, and bigging you up and like, you know, saying stuff that you would probably feel weird saying. Cause I'm like, you know, we are like, humble people. And it's a bit hard to like brag about yourself and like talk yourself up in that way. Um, So I think it's really it can be really valuable to like have someone to do on your behalf. But I do think it's important to know what you're paying for as well when you hire somebody, because you can get screwed over for lack of a better word. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, And I've seen that happen to like many friends, unfortunately. So um, yeah, I did. I've done a couple of like PR PR workshops on my Twitch stream. This is another thing that I experimented with in the millions of different types of streams I've done, um, and yeah, I put it up on YouTube um, in a little playlist. So we can we can probably share the link to that playlist if anyone's interested in watching. Um, it's not in HD because it would have taken me forever to render this like hour-long workshop otherwise. But you know, you can get the gist of pretty much the gist of it in there. And, um,
0: and yeah, I would say
1: it's a lot of fun working music projects. I wish I, like, had more bandwidth to to do it more often uh, for other people because one of my passions in life is helping people succeed and, you know, helping platform people. Um, But it is just so much work. I just don't really have the, like, time or energy to be able to do it on behalf of other people in the way that I want to. You know what I mean? And that's another thing about being a publicist is, like, you, like, really have to, like, ride for people. There's, like, a lot of, like, following up and, like, um, just, like, getting out there and trying to get their name out there. So now I, I kind of have to save my time and bandwidth to do that for my other projects, like for ISO, for Bear Selection. Um, so I'm not able to do it as often for other people. But
0: Yeah, that's but a yeah. really good point, though. Like, whenever, we, whenever we've worked together on those things, I've really noticed that you would check in and you'd, you'd always, like, to kind of... Man, it was so important um, the way that you kind of spoke about somebody. That perspective that you brought. Uh, often you're not going to think about, you know, how you come across to people. So having someone else write that for you was is a really, really helpful perspective. And
1: uh, yeah, and I think like it's just <laughs> you're we, you know, it's this is getting into like some psychology type shit. But like the way you see yourself is not the same as others see you. And then when you're Trying to like pitch yourself to like publications, you kind of have to take this other like third view of like how, you know, that publication or that editor or writer or like their audience is going to see you. Mm-hmm. So that can be like hard to do for yourself, you know? And it's just like, it's good to like have that extra person who can bring a different perspective.
0: Enough. And like, it's
1: this is a, a, another lesson too, and just like figuring out what your strengths are and and maybe what you're not so strong in, and then building a team that can kind of like fill in some of those gaps, right?
0: Yeah, and I think the other thing is, one of the things that I really noticed that you really brought was, you brought a lot of contacts, like edit, you knew that who the editor was at this magazine, you knew who who to speak to, who to email, you had a familiar relationship with them, and that was something that, it's hard, you know, in addition to all the musical relationships and collaboration, in addition to making music and putting it putting it all together and getting the artwork done and everything and then getting that as a prepared product to then go and push it even further is very taxing on a creative person so a publicist is so helpful and that was that was always the thing that I got when we when we worked with you on on putting out a project was just how how much extra energy you could bring to a project to make sure mm-hmm. that it kind of got delivered in the right way and uh, yeah I was always so so amazing the results we'd get from that
1: yeah, I, I think that it's like, like you said, uh, uh, you're the artist, you should be, I mean, nowadays, it's you, you kind of have to do a bit of everything. <laughs> but um, if you can, you know, take that one thing off your plate, so that you're like a little bit more freed up to do some of the other stuff. I think it's money. You know, it's it's money well spent. And it's a great investment. Um, but yeah, I've loved working with you guys on stuff. And it's exciting too. That's another thing that working in that world is so much fun to land those things so you don't always land right like sometimes it's you don't nope. get anything and True. that's part of it too but when you do land it's like, Got him. <laughs> <You> know, like...
0: <laughs> for real, absolutely um, yeah so. so yeah working for complex and hype beast uh, mm-hmm. it's gonna kind of lend me to this next question about yes. what are some of your favorite sneakers because I know <laughs> I know you're a sneakerhead Jay
1: I am um, yeah. I mean, I like, I kind of curbed my addiction a bit just because I don't have space to store them anymore. Um, but yeah, I love sneakers. Uh, They're just to me like the best accessory and they can make an outfit look so much better. Um, and I like too the the spectrum of spe- sneakers that you can have. You can have like your everyday plane Air Force Ones or like Vans or whatever. And then you can get really like wild with it and have some like special occasion like like leopard print air maxes that I'm looking at right now. You know, um, so (laughs) I think my favorite sneaker though of all time, I mean, I say this often when asked, this is the Jordan one. Um, it's a great shoe. It looks good with everything. Lots of like great colors. I mean, they make them in so many different colors now, but I just like the classic ones. I like the breads or like the Royal blues. Um, and another thing that I love about sneakers is like the mythology that's like built around them you know different shoes and Nike does this so well and I think that's why they they crush it is like they're really good at like building the story around a shoe and I think the the bread like the bread one specifically has one of the most amazing mythology like lore around it um because for anyone who doesn't know
0: yeah let's 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 put them on let's make sure they know
1: yeah, so I mean, uh, Michael Jordan wore the bread ones in his first season playing in Chicago in 1985. And at the time they had, like, much, they had way stricter restrictions around like what kind of colors and stuff you could wear on your sneakers. And um, they were against all the rules, <laughs> like the, the colors and stuff. So he would actually get a fine every time he would wear them on the court. And Nike would swallow That cost and just call it a marketing expense because it kind of added to the allure of the shoe, like that it was banned and that it, you know, maybe made you have some kind of like superpowers, like the way that Michael Jordan did. So that's some like pretty, like, you can't really like pay for a better like marketing strategy than that. You can't make it up.
0: It's so good. Yeah. Let's give it up to the goat, uh, Michael Jordan, one time.
1: Yeah. That is so. says how much was the fine per game? I'm not sure, but it was a lot of money.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's nothing to what compared to what it is now, but I'm sure it was still a lot of money and
1: Yeah. yeah. At least a couple thousand, I think, you know. Yeah.
0: That's so cool, man. Yeah. So Jordan 1, you're going to you roll with the Jordan 1 as top top sneaker?
1: That's my favorite sneaker, I think, but my everyday, I I have two pairs of like what I call my everyday shoes and that's the regular like Air Force One low in white, which is the best shoe for everyday wear of all time. And then the Vans old school lows as well.
0: Oh yeah, I'm a big Vans old school low. Some West Coast vibes on that one for sure.
1: That's some major Vancouver, LA vibes right there.
0: Because would you say like the, the Nike Air Force One is like the Uptown, right? That's the, I'm sure we yeah. got some some New York people in the chat. Let us know. It's, it's the Uptown, right? And yes. And that's like a New York, That's the New York standard, as far as I know.
1: D-Funk says back then you had to wear white sneakers. Exactly. Um, He was legit breaking the rules to market the kicks, so Nike was taking a gamble, and it paid off. It paid off huge. So, 5K fine per game, DJ Marvel said. Wow.
0: U.S. dollars. And that's in
1: 1985.
0: 85, yeah. And I see Happy Blowfish with the low chucks, and Can't Go Wrong with the Low Chucks. Chuck, Chuck like Taylor's. That. This that's the original sneaker as far as I'm concerned.
1: Also a basketball shoe.
0: Yeah. I've never seen Chuck Taylor play basketball, but I'm just going to take their word for it.
1: I feel like it's not very supportive <laughs> around your, like, no. I don't think that's a good idea. But they do wear go that. With everything.
0: Actually, I, I played <laughs> basketball in some high top Chuck Taylors once and my feet were just not having it. So, yeah, not, <laughs> not, it's definitely, we've seen some major technology improvements since the Chuck Taylor. So, yeah
1: yeah and that's another thing i love about sneakers too when i was writing for hypebeast you know i was writing a lot more about like reading a lot of news releases and press releases on sneakers and some of the technology is just like fascinating you know like what they it's amazing what goes into making a shoe and that's another reason why i love them like the craftsmanship and uh oh yeah the design
0: so inspiring tinker hatfield steve smith there's one shoe actually um uh I got to give a shout out to Tambourine Jean here. Jean has so many pairs of this one Reebok Instapump Fury. And it's a really mm-hmm. specific shoe. But man, I, it's it's a great sneaker. And the design was so ahead of the time. I think it's even in like a museum somewhere as one of the most crazy design sneakers of all time. And it's just like so rad. I
1: think I know the one. Does it kind of have like holes in it?
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. It's like almost like yeah. a top, uh It's almost got like like a... It's crazy. It's... Like the out, outer valve, man, it's... Uh, yeah,
1: don't it's sleep on Reebok. They have some heat, too. Yep. Like, I actually have a pair of these, like, uh the Allen Iverson questions that I've been wearing all the time. They oh, wow. They look
0: so good. Shout out yeah. Philly. I know Sonny James wants to hear about shout out Philly. Um,
1: shout out Philly.
0: Six seventy ers Allen Iverson. That was a, what a time, hey?
1: What a time to be alive. DJ Papa Lock is here. That always reminds me of Papa Doc from <laughs> a Pop-a- classic
0: L- mile. Yeah, sh- shout out Papa Lucky was here last time as well. Um, so um, I think we should probably move a little bit on from the sneaker chat. I know. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I could talk about that for an entire stream.
0: Honestly. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, but, but I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, social media and business practices because, like, again, I've learned a lot from you on this, and I think this is something that's really helpful especially for DJs and the DJ community trying to you know get get a better grip on what they should be doing and you have always had incredible tips for that. Um, one of them for me was was that you said develop your own mailing list. Um, when you came to Vancouver and we did a we did a seminar you said you all should be having a mailing list and I have to thank you for that as well because now I have a pretty good mailing list and I get lots of um you know feedback from those the regular mail outs that I do. So Uh, Is there any other tips and ideas or, you know, even expanding upon that, that you'd like to impart to the, you know, DJ and producer audience out
1: there? Yeah. I mean, that one's a big one. Um, and that was like, I think three, over three years ago, we did that workshop. And, um, I feel like now mailing lists are kind of catching on a bit more, you know, like Substack is like grown so much as a platform, there's people on there making like half a million dollars a year in subscriptions and stuff like that. It's absolutely insane. Um, But that one's an important one because it allows you to build some kind of like following or some kind of database that is not platform specific. And I think that's really important. Like I I think for anyone out there who's an artist or, or really doing anything, like make sure you keep that in mind and wherever you go and you're gaining fans or followers like try to like convert them and, and grab their info or contact or whatever into like some kind of database that you can bring with you because um, you know these all these platforms could they're likely not going to but they could go away next week you know what I mean like someone could just decide to shut down Instagram one day.
0: Oh, we saw it happened then, with MySpace, right? You know, things like that. Exactly,
1: it happened with MySpace. It literally happened. Um, so that is super important. Um, and that is kind of like, you know, I think it's, it's starting to become more of a topic of discussion, like I even watched a talk with Mark Zuckerberg kind of recently, and he was sort of talking about that idea of allowing people to like bring their audience from Facebook to other places and that he was kind of hinting at maybe they were like working on something like that. So it's good to see that those conversations are happening, but yeah, having a mailing list is like really one of the most important things that you could do, I think as like a a creator of any kind, but especially music, you know? And um, I know we're going to talk in a little bit about like people who we think are doing really interesting things, but it kind of fits well right here. Like one of my friends, Cadence Weapon, he has this incredible newsletter where not only does he just write about like random he's also a great writer but um he just writes about like random topics that he thinks are interesting um that have nothing to do with his his art really directly um but then he also weaves in like right now he's doing this whole series like that where he he just released an album and he's doing newsletter um mail outs where he sort of like breaks down each song um and he it's kind of like being able to look into someone's Notebook or like look and look at someone's mood board, you know uh, For how they did something and I just think it's so fascinating and it's such a smart way to use that medium To be able to expand on ideas that you wouldn't be able to fit in like an Instagram post. You know what I mean? Totally. like yeah, so um That's super cool, and it's it's also just like another good way to get creative like doing a newsletter is a very like creative activity and I think people actually like it more than they maybe thought MailChimp, yeah, get it going, guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, uh, that's a good question um, that I think Living Proof has put in here about having a, a MailChimp account, but do people still open emails? Um, but uh, expanding on that, like, when you said, uh, you know, start an email list, I was like, oh, well, what am I going to do with this email list? And then I I realized that I need to offer people something, I need to provide something in this email. I'm not just going to email them, and say, hey, what's up, everybody, you know, like, that's, <laughs> I mean, that could yeah. work, but, uh, you know, from for and I see people like Nick Bike um, and I've seen a couple other people that have, you know, regular DJ mail outs with edits and things that p- you hope people want, you know, King Most. And, you know, uh, uh, to, to, to Stank Palmer's point, you know, when SoundCloud were bringing down a lot of accounts for copyright, uh, you know, you lost all those followers all of a sudden. You couldn't can, in, interact with them anymore, but if you had the email list, you could and you could still provide them with your edits and, and things like yes. that.
1: Yes. Yeah, totally. That actually happened to Nick Bike as well. He he got his Bandcamp taken down. And um, the first thing I messaged him when I saw that it was going down, I texted him right away and I said, please tell me you downloaded all the emails. And he said, I did. <laughs> he <laughs> oh, nice. said, I've been doing it regularly. I was like, thank God. And you know, that really... And now Nick, is he's gone to Patreon and he has a Discord. And he's been able to like really move people over there. But if he had not downloaded all those emails from all those years of doing Bandcamp, it would have been a lot harder to get going on that. So yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing that I would, I would want to drive home. But I love what you said about like figuring out what you're going to offer people. And, and I would say to people as well, even if you're not a creator, you know, like even if you're not be able to offer like regular music mailouts, like, there's it's still important nowadays to be a great curator
0: yeah sometimes the
1: world sometimes the world doesn't need more like content (laughs) there is like enough content being created but how about you just curate like something great for people and and some of my absolute favorite newsletters are exactly that you know i um there is this sort of like creative uh platform called makin m-a-e-k-a-n Um, They do like a podcast, they do like uh, some like written like editorial style and they have a great newsletter and um, one that they do is called like the make and briefing and then they always just have a little section at the bottom that's just like interesting links and um, It's so great. Like I love it if I'm having a week where I haven't been able to be that connected with like what's happening out there in the world or on the internet, I know that if I go in there and I just check out those like five or six links it's usually, like, a couple interesting, like, newsy things, a, a couple articles on, like, some kind of, like, trend in technology, maybe. And then uh, maybe some more, like, philosophical, like, why are we here type content. And I love that. I can just, like, get it all right there. And I that's bringing such value to my life. Um, so, yeah, if you're not a creator, like, get your curation hat on.
0: Well, yeah, like, even... For for a, a good friend of mine and and yours, uh, Jeff Hamada, with his uh, website Boom uh, yes. Seven Seven Os and Boom. And if you're if you're an artist or you're into art, uh, he, it's a fantastic website. But that's essentially what he's doing. He's curating fantastic artists from around the world and highlighting them on a website. And he's also uh, moved into a, a out kind of platform, as you know, with Instagram algorithms and. You know all these sorts of things kind of affecting you know the way that people can interact with your content that's really the the most direct way right
1: yeah jeff is so influential like i know that you know that i know that a lot of people know that but i want everybody to know like jeff hamada is like a absolute pioneer when it comes to like building a community online and also like you know monetizing that community in a very like authentic way that wasn't like cheesy or weird or sellouty um and also like adapting and taking risks and like you know he moved to this like membership model and he was so like transparent about like guys i don't know if this is gonna work but i'm just like trying a thing um and i know that he has been hugely influential to people that even i look up to in like media and stuff like that so we love jeff amata
0: yeah jeff shout out jeff he's uh yeah a fantastic and inspiring person i'd like to actually have him on the chat at some point so i will make that happen and he also if you are interested in cat memes and dog memes um he has a fantastic instagram (laughs) called chill Chill wildlife Wildlife. so you can't lose (laughs) he's good at everything
1: Uh, he's good at everything yeah so um love jeff i haven't seen him in ages but i need to catch up with him
0: yeah, he's um, doing he's doing good. I saw him the, the other day. I'll let him know we are uh, chatting. He'll actually I'll send him the inter- interview. I'm sure he'll be very happy to hear about yes. it.
1: Yes. Um. Yeah. So oh, another thing I wanted to add to before we move on from the mailing list thing yep. is because I, I just mentioned Nick doing Discord, and like Discord is something that I'm still learning. It's so powerful, um, but there's so many different ways you can like set up something like a Discord. Um, you know, you can hook in your mailing list to that, and have similarly how on Twitch we have like sub-only channels. If you connect it all properly, you can do that as well with like a mailing list, um, where if you want to have like sections that are just only viewable by people who subscribe to you and stuff like that. So, uh, not only building the mailing list and doing your mail outs, but you know, thinking of like what are some other creative ways I can uh, make use of this great information that I have, which is. People's data and, and way to contact them, and add value to their lives.
0: Totally. Um,
1: you know, and I love what I something I love about like a Discord is that it's kind of got all the like best parts of social media, but you can really like control the experience and sort of like make it what you want it to be without any of the like negativity and weirdness.
0: Yeah, if I think. You- it's crazy to yeah. see what people are doing with Discord, actually. I know Selection are using Discord a lot, and you can chat in there, right? I know Arcade, he's using it a lot. You can have yeah. group chats, group video chats, and all sorts of great yeah interactions with people.
1: Actually, that Mark Zuckerberg talk that I mentioned was like in a Discord. What's the name of it again? can't remember now. It's escaping me, the Discord. I'll try to
0: remember it. Oh, good. Yeah, we can yeah. always post it in the chat a little bit later if needed to. Um, yeah,
1: it's kind of like the new, like the new sort of like new blog in, in my mind. Like the same way that I used to have a personal blog where I would like share things on it. You know, I would post music, I'd post articles. I feel like Discord is like the evolution of that, but it's much more interactive because you can like chat in there and other people can post things and stuff like that. So
0: we see. We I love see Ann Salvador has entered the chat. What up, Chrisanne? <laughs> Speaking of favorite emotes.
1: Yeah, great emote, great mod as well. Crescance, the goat.
0: Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, Living Proof is talking about so many platforms to keep track of. I'm just going to throw a couple more in the pot um, for for good measure. But um, one thing that I, I'm really keen to, to hear about your opinion of is um, the difference between like Slack uh, no sorry not slack you got me distracted. Uh, <laughs> uh, TikTok and IG uh so do yes. you feel like there's a like a generational divide here cuz you know I'm I'm a self-confessed old head and I'm I'm not really in TikTok I'm very conscious of it I'm very conscious of what it is and what it does um but is there a, is there a general generational divide between these two platforms?
1: I think there is. I mean I think that it's definitely um that kind of gap is closing a little bit. I think even like a year and a half ago or whatever, when I first opened TikTok, I was like, I don't know what's going on here. I don't even know how to navigate this thing. I don't know what I'm looking at. Who are all these people in my feed? I haven't even followed a single person yet, you know? It's definitely like a bit jarring of an experience if you're used to like one type of social media experience. Um, but so I think there's a bit of a, a divide there. And I, I know a lot of my like, Friends who I don't even want to say older because, like, friends who are my age and older than me um, are like, Oh, I don't rock with TikTok. That's like for kids and like Gen Z. But um, I think that if you spend time on there, the thing with TikTok is it's all like it's an algorithm based um, platform. And uh, you have to actually spend a little bit of time sort of like training your algorithm in order to make the experience for yourself good um so that that takes a little bit of time and then uh but once you've got it there it's like you open it and it's just that uh, the algorithm's crazy it's literally just like everything that you're interested in you know and uh i would love to know how it works but obviously they're never going to tell us that but <laughs> yeah, <totally>. um <laughs> but the, the big thing i would say for people who are you know skeptical about joining like tiktok if you're an artist or something The difference between these two platforms, TikTok and Instagram, is like you have Instagram, which barely shows your content to anybody, even people who've chosen to follow you. It will barely show your content to those people. And then you have TikTok, which literally shows your content to to everybody who remotely might have interest in what you're doing. That's that's, That's why when you open it up, you're seeing stuff from people who you don't even follow because it just shows content to everybody.
0: That is um, probably the most, like, best description of what I needed to hear that. You know, like, I needed to hear that is the, the difference because, yeah, everyone's frustrated with this Instagram algorithm these days, right?
1: The algorithm over there is the worst. It's like someone had an incredible tweet the other day. I'm going to try to pull it up so that I don't, like, misquote her. But it was Jada Lorraine who made this tweet and um, it was about Instagram. She said the IG algorithm. Oh, my God, I literally just closed that. (laughs) It's going to be worth it. Take your time. It's going to be worth it. So. She said the IG algorithm makes it basically impossible to get impressions on your content without some sort of emphasis on vanity. And I was like, that is it's such a good it's it's that's exactly it, and like they don't even really try to hide that, you know what I mean like they have this thing called like the twenty percent rule where like if you're if your image has more than twenty percent text in it, it will like actually not favor it in the algorithm, and that's like out there, you know like they have that in their their the instagram advertising guidelines it's not like a rumor or something that's a real thing like Um, It doesn't like images with text in it. So if you wanted to like, you know, share a flyer, like I'm sure you know that if you're a DJ and you post a flyer, the algorithm's like, no, I'm gonna throw this to the bottom of the pile. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, Yeah, so I mean, Instagram is still like a great platform that everybody needs to be on, you know, and and, uh, especially as an artist or creative, you kind of need to be everywhere a little bit. But I would absolutely unequivocally encourage everybody to join TikTok, give it a chance. There's tons, there's lots of people on there who are older than 16, I promise you. (laughs) Actually, some of the biggest TikTok, uh, you know, creators are, like, one of them is Tabitha Brown, who's, like, a mom, and uh, she does all these, like, she has this, like, really soft, like, soothing voice, and she does all these, like, cooking, like, mini cooking tutorials, and she's got, like, two kids, and, and she's, like, you know, a mom, like, and she's on there, and she's killing it. Um, so, yeah, it's funny, like, it's it's crazy to see when TikTok does its thing, though, with a piece of content, you know? And and one of our good friends, Big Jacks, had a viral a TikTok viral moment.
0: Big Jacks went viral.
1: He went viral, you know? He got five, like, half a million plays yeah, on sure. a video. I think it was, like, his second video he ever put up or something.
0: Yeah, it was, uh... Um, he does those cool remixes uh breakdowns and blends it's really cool
1: yeah and that's his thing you know that's been his thing i know it's trending on TikTok right now but like it's He's been that's been it. a thing yeah yeah and a lot of us
0: it. djs have been like i think that's i mean not to get you know sidetracked, but you know like for example serato has like this guy called fortunes who does um these videos him. original samples and there's other people too that do it but that, you know there's definitely like a lot of people that are not impressed by that and they're very vocal about yeah. it. Um, and I you know I, I guess I kind of understand that but you know the, the interesting thing is that, that yeah like <laughs> we know that because we've been maybe doing it for a while but uh, a lot of people don't know about that
1: right A lot of people don't And this is like you know marketing 101 is like I how do I? not talk to other people like me who know what I know how do I make sure I'm talking to like people in a way that they understand you know what I mean and like so I'm this sounds crazy but I'm not joking I've met people who actually have no idea what a producer is they think that Rihanna literally makes all her songs and writes all the lyrics and everything you know and that's nothing against them but how would you know like if you didn't grow up with that understanding or playing music or anything like that um so i think that it's you know if if something like that like i love that guy what's his name fortunes
0: fortunes he's so cute but yeah like
1: it's sorry go ahead
0: oh i was just gonna say like big jacks the the thing i love about big jack's uh, mentality about it he's like hey i can be salty about people that are doing this same thing that i know how to do or i can just do it and do it really well and yeah. that's what I, I think I'm really like so happy to see him do that because he is so good. You know he's good. I know he's good. We A lot of people mm-hmm. in the chat know how great Big Jax is just overall. We didn't need him to go to TikTok to prove that. But there's all these people, there's millions of people in the world, billions of people in the world that don't know billions. how good Big Jax is. And you're, okay. so what you're saying makes so much sense. It's like, well, this is what TikTok is allowing that to do is to Push, push that content to those people that might might be interested in what Big Jacks can do.
1: Totally. And like if a TikTok can get someone who's never heard about a blend or know anything about DJ culture or know anything about sampling, if, if a TikTok can like turn them onto that and make them a fan of what we do, we should be stoked. Yeah, that's a you good know? thing. It's a great thing. And like, I think that you had said one day in a Discord chat, we were having like when you learned about sampling, when it clicked for you, whenever that was, many moons ago, like it brought you so much joy, you know, and it sort of- Changed my life. Yeah, it changed your life. And it sparked a curiosity that you never knew was there. And like, I think that that's, I love it when I go on TikTok and I see people in, in the comments on Big Jax's post or happy beats or whoever, and people are like, they're legit so excited about it and i'm like this is so cool how can you hate on this
0: yeah because i mean it is so magical right like that's the thing that i mean when you f- when you find out like your favorite song like i mean I'm again like when i first found out like 93 till infinity was a billy cobham sample i was like oh my gosh this song is so beautiful like i need this song and i need this song and i need all these yeah. bits and i just and it sent me on a journey of like constantly wanting to collect these these pieces and and I learned you learn so much more about music through that too because you're learning about you know the artist that sampled it you know and who they are where they're from and then you understand more about music which is magical Um,
1: it is magical and honestly like we like curiosity is for me one of the things that keeps me going like with my own creative pursuits like Being able to tap into that curiosity and continually learn new things is like so important. And nowadays, like everything's at our fingertips, you know? Like we can learn anything we want. So when someone shows me something or teaches me something in an inspiring or surprising way, oh, that to me is like chef's kiss. (laughs) Chef's
0: kiss. We got Living Proof with a question on here.
1: (laughs) Okay, this is a great question. Living Proof says TikTok versus Reels. Fran Boogie said, "Let's do a TikTok routine, please do." Um, so TikTok versus Reels, I mean, they're kind of same. Um, Reels is really good to get into if you want to boost your your algorithm love a little bit on Instagram. So uh, I'm gonna teach you guys like a little something as like a person who works in digital marketing. Anytime a platform releases a new feature do it, do that thing, like take part in whatever it is they're releasing because they want people to do that. So they're gonna reward you. It is like this weird little like reward system. They're gonna reward you if you play into whatever it is they're trying to make you do. So when Instagram rearranged their UI, like it's the worst layout ever, but whatever, Um, they, they put the, shop so they did two key things that i noticed right away they put the shop button right where the notifications used to be so you know we have like muscle memory of doing certain things right for the first like week i was just kept on clicking the shop button when i would open the app i would just click it and that's by design that's not a mistake that they put that there you know what i mean totally so that tells me instagram is prioritizing shop So, if you are someone who has a shop of some kind, (laughs) link it to your Instagram. Why not? Just do it. They clearly want you to, and they're they're probably going to reward you a little bit in the algorithm. Um, So, that's one thing. And then they also moved the Reels button to where the post button used to be.
0: Oh, yeah. That one bugged me.
1: So, I would say the three most clicked areas on this whole app are notifications, (laughs) post, and inbox two out of three, they moved and replaced something else there. You know what I mean? So, um, they clearly want you to use reels. Totally. Um, so yeah, reels is a really good way to get your, give your algorithm <laughs> algorithm is what I call it, uh, a little boost. And it's also just kind of like fun to use. Like, I like how with reels you can create one and it doesn't have to actually go in your feed if you don't want it to you can make it so that it either like posts to your feed or not, or that it shows on your profile that you land on or not. So it's kind of nice that you have that customization and I would play around with that. I would try some that post to your feed and see how they do and then try some that are not. Um, and then it's also just like fun to, um, it's, it's a lot of work editing reels and TikToks. (laughs) It's a lot of work, (laughs) but I think it's, like, kind of fun to, like, tap into that new creativity. You know what I mean? Like, it's something, again, we're going back to now discovery and curiosity. Something that you've never done before. Like, just give it a try. It was so funny when Big Jacks was first on TikTok. He was, like, Joey. He calls me Joey. That's his his name for me. Joey, it took me, like, two hours to, like, make this TikTok. (laughs) And he's, like, but it was super fun. But it was, like, took me hella long.
0: Learning is fun. That's the facts. It's Um, fun.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I would say everyone try out reels and uh, just figure out a way that works for you, like, you know, to do what you do in that format. Um, I've experimented with some, like, random things. Like, you know, when I got my new mixer, I did, like, an unboxing reel. I would never do an unboxing video. That's just, like, not something I would do on my actual, like, profile. But I, like, made a reel of it, and it was, like, really fun. I was like, this is cool. Cool.
0: Good to try Jamie
1: Lee that. Santos is here, who's so dope.
0: Shout out Jamie Lee Santos.
1: She was amazing on the co-work stream, wasn't That's she? That's right. Oh yeah, she had
0: the fire set on the co-work stream. Yeah. Um, hey, I, I'm just while we're on this subject of TikTok and Reels, there was a pretty yeah. major um event in producer Twitter this week. Uh, where the we saw the tea is piping. Uh, yeah, the, the tea was piping hot on this one. And I feel like it's important to talk about it. Um, yeah. I think that it does that does need some discussion. Uh, so, we, yeah, we saw this the story of a producer, um, Peace, spelt P-X-V-C-E, that was yeah. stealing not only beats, but DJ Mixes as well and posting them as his own. And he was, like, faking that he was playing the beats. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, do, can you just give some your perspective on, on that situation? Like, what... I'm so curious about what the motivation of this guy was.
1: Honestly, Frieza and I were talking about this earlier and we were like, what would possess someone to do that? Like, and you know what it is? Like, this is a major life key, even on some like not DJing shit. I think that when you like really tap into your empathy for others and you really try to like break down, like, why would that person do that? Like what, motivated them inside to do that and you can see that like more often than not the reason people do like fucked up shit like that is because they themselves are like probably struggling with some kind of like self-confidence and like self-worth thing where I don't doubt that he like loves music and is a fan of that and probably like has aspirations to make it make stuff like he was posting but just you know, for whatever reason, like, hasn't gotten there yet or, like, couldn't find the motivation to learn himself. And and so, yeah, it was just really kind of, like, playing pretend almost. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, I think that with situations like that also, another thing to keep in mind is, like, he didn't just go and take, like, who is it, like, Monty Booker or something?
0: Yeah, it was Monty. Sure there's a first, bunch of people.
1: Yeah, I'm sure the first, it, it probably starts off, small you know he probably took just a little portion of a mix and maybe like put it in a video and uh and then realized like oh i got away with it or whatever and then slowly it just like he started doing more and more and that's kind of like the case with a lot of people who are like essentially weaving this like tangled web of lies it's like it just like eventually gets to the point where it's like so beyond and they've like done so much that it all just comes like crashing down and um Yeah. So I think that for me, I look at that as like a really sad situation because it's like, you're clearly like dealing, like I said, with some feeling of inadequacy or like some sort of self-confidence issue where you have to like put on this like pretend act. Um, And it's really disappointing because A, it obviously uh, is supremely disrespectful to the actual artists whose music you've stolen and tried to play off as your, your own, but you're also like doing yourself a massive disservice because now everybody looks at you and you're, they're like, Oh, there's that like whack thief dude. It's like, why did you not just take that energy and like pour it into your creative practice? And it's like that. I love to call it creative practice because that's what it is. It's like a practice that is like lifelong and never, you never become like a master at. We should always all strive to constantly be students, you know. Um, so that's kind of my take on it. Scratch fasted is here, one what of my scratch? favorites. Favorite humans. Because yeah, what did you think of that, Maddie? Like, what was your
0: well? Take I mean, on that? He, like, yeah. For for what for, from what I what I gathered is, you know, what he was doing, he could have probably just DJed. You know, like he he had good taste in beats. I'm gonna give him credit for that. Like he he stole great beats, um, yeah. So, props <laughs> on those great beats that he stole. Yeah, but
1: there's a positive. At least they had good taste.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: but he got his curator on, but a little too like. But
0: uh, yeah, he webs a lies of deceit, and and yeah, yeah, you can't really dig yourself out of that. And he's really bodied his own career. Like it's a it's a he's not. You can't come back from that. Like yeah. it's over. Um, but the fact is that if he really just put a little thought into it, he could have just you know, become like, you know, a DJ that played good beats and given credit to the people that made them and supported them in the way. Like, there was a really clear path that he could have totally
1: totally gone
0: down, which would have been really positive. But for some reason, I guess he, he didn't. I don't know, man. Yeah. I, it's so hard to, to... I don't want to be too negative because... No,
1: it's hard. It's Happy I mean, um, Blowfish, who's my sister-in-law, who's very smart in these kind of scenarios. She just said, some people really don't have the tools in their toolkit and they yearn for love and acceptance from others. People are only motivated by two things, avoiding pain or feeling pleasure slash love. Um, I think if you can look at every scenario like that, whether it's someone who's wronged you, someone who's hurt you, not to say that people should get away with those things, but if you look at things with those lens, it, it just explains behavior like so much more, you know? And And I think with his scenario, another thing that's sad is that like, I am of the belief that everybody has the potential in them to make art. Like I actually believe that if I wanted to, I could literally become like the sickest like illustrator if I really wanted to. I think that definitely people are more naturally inclined than others at certain things. But I don't think that, I think that everyone can make music. I think that everyone can be a painter, a sculptor, um, we all have that in us, you know, so just, just about like whether or not you want it and how much you're willing to put in to get it.
0: Yeah. I th- I think that's so, very on point and intention is everything, right? Like if you really yeah. want something, you can get it. You may not necessarily succeed, but you're gonna, you're to have to, you have to think about what those things are that you want uh, f- yeah. before you even start and, or constantly reevaluate that journey and you know um but yeah i I think
1: another thing you know and i don't know anything about that guy but like like you said there was a huge opportunity for him there to like like what was your actual goal what was his actual goal to like impact people to connect with people to feel love or admiration from people like you could have done all of those things in another way and and on his way uplifted other artists and like been a positive force in people's lives so i think that's why it's so important for all of us to like don't be afraid to like go deep with yourself and like understand what it is you want out of like life and the world and your existence you know and and how you can get there one of the
0: things we talked about earlier which i thought was a really good uh thing to talk about in re- in regards to his situation is that you talked about like have, having a skill set, uh, a certain set of skills that are really good for certain things. And when I think about his story, I think, yeah, he, he chose good beats. Like I really like the beats he, he stole. Um, his artwork seemed to be pretty good too. And he obviously knew how to upload songs to Spotify because he stole beats and then uploaded them to Spotify for himself. Exactly. So he definitely had an understanding of how the working was. He knew what equipment to buy. He didn't, he just kind of like, Forgot about you just, like, doing the work. A few,
1: yeah, <laughs> a few key steps. But there's but, a meme that <laughs> there's a meme. It's like the guy who's walking up the stairs and he's and he is skipping a bunch of stairs. Please tell me you guys know this. It's like he's walking and he's just like his legs are like jumping a bunch of stairs. That's exactly what this guy did.
0: Yeah, and you don't in, like not everyone needs to be a beat maker. Like beat making, it takes a long time. Anyone who's ever tried to make beats knows that being a good DJ is a hard thing too, you know, but there is a learning curve and you can figure out where you need to get. Um, and people like to see you grow and yeah, and I don't think there should be any shame in that, but, uh, um, none at all. But yeah. Frieza just
1: said that his apology was also whack. I mean, these are also, this is on some non, non DJ or music type like lessons that accountability is important too. Absolutely. Been, you know, if you've been caught or called out, you need to think really hard about how the appropriate response to that.
0: Yeah. And I think that, yeah. Yeah. You really have to know when to, yeah, eat humble pie, if you will. Yeah. But, um, I, a I don't, I, yeah. I don't want to uh, spend too much time on, on this guy because, you know, <laughs>
1: yeah. Australia. He's already like, he's already had enough attention.
0: Yeah. Wish um, him the best. Yeah. I do think that there was some very, very funny um, responses and the names that were created oh. for him. Della Vanilli. Um, oh, man. I think Mad got in there with some Mad Fib. Old, Mad Fib. Yeah. Um, but, but yes, yeah, so we should move on. Um, and I think let's, let's focus on like some of the people that are, are using these, this, this kind of reels and TikTok content really well. We talked yes. about Big Jacks, but there's other two other Toronto artists that I can think of that are, are really inspiring to me, which are mm-hmm. The Count and Luna Lee, and over Kill- the pandemic, I was really ex- able to kind of check out these, these artists and, uh, and they were really inspiring. And, and got me thinking about, oh, I should be doing similar things. I can use my talents in this way. Are there any other people that, that you think are doing really creative things like that, that, I mean,
1: that you can talk about? Yeah, first of all, those two are incredible. I'm a huge fan of both of them. The count is like in the running for the glow up of the pandemic. I think he's always been amazing, but I really think that people being online more and you know him obviously putting out more content like really worked in his favor and he just got the attention of like everybody over the last year. And there's like a lesson there too, you know, that like it's, he's been putting in the work for like years and uh, you know, finally people are now noticing and Luna Lee, she's beautiful and an incredible artist. Um, I mean, I already talked about Cadence Weapon, who I think is just, he's just crushing it at the whole, like, multi-platform marketing thing. Um, but even what he does is, like, it is marketing, but, like, I almost, I don't even want to call it that, because it's, it's just, like, storytelling in, like, the most amazing sense of the word. Um, and he's doing some interesting things, so, like, definitely check him out. I love that he's, like, he's really adopted this, like, creative view on how he's going to use all these different platforms and how he's going to lean into it and um, Like I said the way he's using his newsletter as sort of like an appendix to his album almost is like very cool Um, Another person I love is Harrison who. I feel like I was on his Instagram the other day, and I had noticed that you had followed and like seen some of his content.
0: But I love Harrison. I love <sighs> Harrison so much. Harrison, I I, I'm I just gonna express how much I love Harrison because his his dog, his piano playing, his shooting of his content, like everything it doesn't get any better than Harrison. Like that guy. It doesn't get
1: better. It does not get better. And Harrison is a perfect example of someone who, you know, I he's quite shy and he's soft-spoken and reserved, and I, I don't want to speak for him, but I don't get the impression that he enjoys, like, self-promotion per se, but he's found a way to, like, do it in a way that is so, like, um, it just represents him in the best way, and not to mention he's an incredible musician, so I call that, like, bite-sized social content. He's doing really well at that. Check him out. Um, my girl Lex Leosis is someone who I'm loving what she's doing on TikTok. She's a, a rapper and MC, and you know, she's like learning to make beats, and she's been crushing it on TikTok, doing like the uh, you know how you can duet with someone? So if anyone doesn't know TikTok, you can basically uh there's a feature called a duet where if, let's say Cut Corners posts uh a TikTok of him making a little beat or playing a little bass line. Let's go with that because because Cutty's a bass player. I can then as another creator take his video and do a duet and I can do something alongside that video and add on to it. So maybe I'm a dancer. I can like do a duet and dance with him as he's playing uh, bass guitar. So what Lex has been doing is she's been doing these duets where she'll rap over like producers who are Either like making beats or sometimes like playing an instrument, and it's just like so dope. Like, and it's it's the perfect example of her finding a way to do what she does, which is like rap, in a really engaging and fun way. And not to mention, you're building community at the same time, which is such a sick part about that. It's just like, what what better way to like show someone that you're like rocking with what they do than to like do a little duet with them, you know?
0: I'm uh, yeah. Check out. I'm trying really hard to find one of the best duets that I've seen, which was actually uh, from DJ Beat Habibit, Habib Habby Beats um, yeah, and Alicia Habibit. Keys. Holy oh, <gasps> smokes, that was uh, what
1: a, a moment! Moment, you guys, that was so great. DJ Habby Beats honestly is another one of my fave glow up stories of the last little while. I connected with him through Twitch last summer. And then I think he just started doing the TikTok thing kind of at like the, the end of last year, maybe early this year. And um he's doing these cool like sample uh sort of videos, which are really fun. And they're just like we were talking about before, a really like accessible way for people who maybe didn't know about that to like learn about it.
0: Totally. I I can't find it. I'm sorry, I just can't find this uh
1: Maybe we'll find it and put it in the Serato Discord later.
0: Yeah, there we go. It's it's so good though, Alicia Keys, and I mean Alicia Keys is one of my favorite artists of all time. So you can't go wrong with that. Yeah, but I will pull up. I will pull up Harrison for a moment, um, if you don't mind.
1: Yes, please. Can we? Oh, I love him so much.
0: So this is just an example of um something he does. Sound off. So, so great. Yeah, that is Harrison. I highly, highly recommend giving that guy. Follow Harrison.music. Crazy, crazy yeah. player.
1: He's so dope. And like you said, everything about it is like proper. Like the aesthetic, the way that it's like filmed. And it's like, again, you don't have to like be some like big personality. It's not like you have to like do some crazy shit. It's just like keep it simple and do what you do, you know? So um, I love that. He's so dope.
0: Okay, so um, speaking of magic moments and inspiration, what is the first performance or record that made you want to DJ?
1: Like, honestly, I was trying to think about this one, and it's really hard to to hone in on one thing, but I really think it might have been Neil Armstrong's mixtapes.
0: Oh, shout out Neil Armstrong.
1: I really think, like, I was trying to, like, think way back and I was like, what was the first thing where I was like, this is so fucking cool, I wanna try it. Um, And he's someone who was like doing blends like long, long ago, you know? And um, he used to to make these crazy intricate mixtapes like I think with vinyl, like he was playing the music on vinyl and then he would also, uh, he told me once that he would chop up like, he would record things from like VHS tape like some of the little samples and stuff that are the interludes. This is like all like super analog, like the way he would like do it. And um, I thought that was so inspirational because the, you know, we're really lucky now that the barrier to doing certain things is just like so much lower. Um, And back then you really had to like put so much effort into like all those little things. And Scratch Bassett and I have talked about this one a lot because I know Scratch Bassett has that origin story of like getting some belt drive turntable and like only having one and like using it with a weird mixer. And it was just like, you know, those, you had to really put effort into like doing the DJ thing, like up until not that long ago. Yeah. And I love that it's like so much more accessible now, but yeah, Neil Armstrong's mixtapes, hugely influential to me in, in wanting to DJ. I think in the back of my head, I was like, that's cool, I wish I could try it, but I still didn't believe that I could, you know? And, um, and then just like honestly people in our circle of friends and peers have been the most inspiring to me like people like you and and DJ Marvel and Rico and Secco like the freshest you guys were always like the dopest to me scratch bastard obviously one of the greatest headspin the whole Team Canada era was like oh, wow. very inspiring to me yeah I just I I think I saw that and I was like I I was like, wow, these guys are like really doing it, you know? Like they're like traveling around and having like residencies in so many different cities, and they're like doing it off playing music. Like that's so cool to me.
0: Yeah. Um, um, team Canada, yeah. though, we got a quick mention here. That's Grand Theft and uh, Raf.
1: What was his DJ
0: name? Um. But Team Canada, and then they also had a team which was. DJ Pump from Calgary, where yeah. You you lived and yes. um Greg from Keys and Crates, DJ Headspin, world champion three style. Yeah,
1: before Keys and Crates was a thing. Yeah. I think that's it was right. Jun- it was just Junior Flow. Junior Flo. And Pillow.
0: Yep, from <sighs> Ottawa. Uh, man, it was like all of these DR1. Thank you, Scratch Bassett. Man, DR1. Yes. What? Sorry, Raph. That was a crazy crew, and they it toured. A crew. And... Oh, And they used the A-Life, eight, um, a- but they used A-E-H, uh, like Canada. Uh, it was, man, that was so so cool. A-Team, there you go, Nina.
1: <laughs> she has yeah. a Canadian
0: heritage moment right there.
1: <laughs> it was a Canadian heritage moment. And I think also just really inspirational for a lot of people to see the possibilities of something like that, you know, on a, a larger scale. Um, and uh, it was like, that to me is a, such an, a moment in time, you know, like uh, they also had a blog that was like heavy in the blog era. They had a blog, they would post their mixtapes up, they would post their edits um, and uh, you know, the sound of, of music <laughs> at that time was a certain thing. It was like a lot of like be more and like, uh, we kind of oh. called it like electro like back then, was Holaboard like the sound. Stuff. Yeah, what a time. Yeah, it was So, so great. And I love to see how all those people are still doing their thing in different ways, you know? And, um, you know, DJ Pump, I just have to say that he's one of the most influential people to me. Growing up in Calgary and, uh, you know, we have a great music scene in Calgary, which like I know that I had put a track in here that we can talk about in a bit. But um, yeah, like just DJ Pump, is so cool. He's like a cool cat.
0: Sure is. And he's really funny. And he makes great beats. Uh, Nina Mendoza with the uh, with the link for his band camp in there. Um, thank you very yeah. much, Nina, for your links there. That's really helpful. Nina is also a fantastic DJ. Just got oh, yeah. a quick shout out. Nina Mendoza. One of my
1: favorites, Nina.
0: Um, so, yeah. yeah. And we got Fran Boogie talking about Honor Roll. We got Flush Drop. Man, what a time. That was definitely like MySpace. Uh like yeah, kind of transition area there, but um, yeah, bringing it into the future, uh bringing it to now. Mm-hmm. uh What's like one of your favorite songs like right now? If you want to put someone onto something, what would you put them onto?
1: Man, I have been loving this track that is kind of an amalgamation of worlds because it's small town DJs. Um, Good thing with Bootsy Collins, and it's the remix by Adam W and Nick Bike. So I love this song, obviously it's a great track, it's super fun. But like I said, I, I love it because small town DJs are super inspiring to me uh, from my, That's my what am. home Calgary.
0: This is the Nick Black and Adam W remix. So yeah, this just came out, right, on Fools Gold?
1: It just came out on Fools Gold and, uh, you know, it's a great song. It's got Bootsy Collins on it, like, hello. And I Bootsy think that <laughs> I love this, uh, the idea of this, too, like, because, you know, it's just, it's Nick and Adam, who are two people who primarily, like, are known for more, like, their edits and stuff like that. And, like, now they have a fucking song with Bootsy Collins. Like, that's that's what hard work does
0: consistency. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Nick and Adam have been really consistently working on those remixes for such a long time, and I mean, yeah, if you don't know about if you don't know about Nick Bike right now, I don't even know if you DJ because he's just synonymous <laughs> with DJing. So, yeah.
1: He is, and he makes so many different kinds of uh, edits and remixes. You know, like I hear Nick's stuff in like all kinds of sets, like hip hop, club music, kind of funky stuff. Um, So yeah, I love that song, Good Thing. Make sure you guys check that one out.
0: Absolutely. So um, acknowledging that it's currently APA History Month in the US and Canada, um, what's one song by an Asian American artist that you think people should know about?
1: So I had a couple that I was like thinking of and I was like, I'll see how I feel in the moment. (laughs) But I think I'm gonna go with the Koreatown Acid song it's called Want You, uh, Koreatown Acid, which is just an incredible artist name. Can I say? Um, she's an artist who's from Toronto, and she makes a lot of like techno, and like she uses a lot of like uh, analog like gear to make her beats. So it just gives it these like her music just has this very like organic quality, and it's, it's like. A lot of it is like really experimental leaning, and like I feel like she takes a lot of like risks with her music, and um, yeah, she's just super fire. <laughs>
0: I'm just gonna bring it in here. Yeah. I didn't realize she was from Toronto.
1: Yeah. So great music.
0: Should I skip ahead to a, a certain part at all?
1: Um, uh, maybe like later. Uh, I don't know. Maybe
0: Like those keys. This Like this is Oh, yes, yeah, this
1: is a pop. this <laughs> is fantastic.
0: Right? Yeah. Shout out
1: okay. to Surreal in the chat as well. Surreal says she's so versatile. Exactly. I love Kretan Acid. And you know what? She's a Korean, obviously, uh, woman who is, like, making some really interesting music. And I'm sure a lot of other, like, of my AAPI fam out there will understand that sometimes coming up in the Asian household, um, you know, it's... I don't know anything about her, but I'm just about her family history or anything, but like I just think she's doing something really different that I can imagine maybe like people's parents out there would not have buy-in about <laughs> or think that it was like legit. But she's like doing the damn thing. And uh, she's super cool. She's got a cool cool ass vibe.
0: No, no doubt. Um that's definitely going in the crates for sure. Can you can you yeah. elaborate a little bit on that? Like um, you know, being a you know of Asian Pacific heritage and Mm -hmm. having a family and being into music was was it was there a struggle with that is is that something that you you can elaborate on a little bit from your personal experience
1: yeah um i think you know i didn't really like i played instruments and stuff growing up i grew up in uh hong kong where i went to like a british school a private school and uh we actually had to learn instruments in school um everybody had to learn one and not just the recorder. We actually had to choose like an actual instrument. And um, so I played like violin and I played flute a little bit. And um, I think there's some other countries in the world who do like mandatory music as part of their curriculum and stuff. And it's cool. I'm like really glad I had that experience. So I think early on there was obviously buy-in from my parents about like that kind of like music learning. and then, but I never really like got into it until later in life. And uh, they were always like pretty supportive. Like, you know, my dad is the the Asian one in the equation cause I'm mixed. And um, he's definitely like a super traditional guy. And, um, but he's coming around, you know what I mean? Like, I think at first when I was like, dad, I'm gonna like move to Toronto and like, I don't know, write about music and like be a DJ. He was probably like, what the hell is going on? Um, but after I was out here for a few years and he saw that I was, you know, happy doing what I was doing and like having great experiences, I think that that's all your parents really want. They just want to know that you're like safe and that you're like doing doing something that makes you happy. So um, he's actually really I don't think he gets it, but he's like more OK with it now.
0: Does he play music himself? Is he a musician?
1: So he doesn't play any instruments, but he is an extremely avid karaoke -er. Is that how you say that? karaoke -er.
0: (laughs) Uh, Oh, I'm I'm with it.
1: And he has, uh, my dad has amazing taste in music. Like, that's really how I learned about all the great, like, 70s and and 80s tunes. And we were always listening to, like, Prince and Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston and The Temptations. Oh, shoot, your dad has good taste. Oh, SOS band, like all of it. Like we would listen to all that around the house and that's really where I first heard that music. And so um, he does have good taste. And I, I think what's interesting too about parents like, you know, who Asian parents or a lot of immigrant parents, they really just didn't have the option growing up to entertain those things. Like maybe my dad secretly wanted to be a singer. Like he wanted to join a funk band. I don't know. But that just would have not been... A possibility back in those days, uh, really, you're you were expected to follow a certain trajectory and get a job and all that stuff and take care of your family and a lot of it was like we're just so lucky now that we even have these options. You know what I mean? So,
0: totally, I love that for us. Um, another artist though that we need to talk about is our shared love of Khalis and oh, man. our recent discovery that Khalis is uh, part of the. Uh, Asian Pacific American family. Uh, with, she is with, um, on her mother's side. So, what is your favorite Kali song?
1: This is another hard question because she has so many BOPS. Like recently on my Twitch stream, I played Caught Out There. I haven't heard that song in a oh, while, and it was team. like slamming. Like I think I wheeled it twice. I love how Scratch Bassage said and Rebby Jackson Centipede. Scratch Bassett knows. That's that's a song from my childhood. Revy Jackson sent me.
0: That's kind of a rare cut too Yeah, it
1: Produced is. Produced
0: Michael Jackson, right?
1: I, I think it is. Yeah. Bassett said I remember tuning into J and playing Revy Jackson <laughs> <laughs> It happened for sure. Yeah, it's a good track. You know what's funny? Random fact That is the first song that I ever added to my Serato.
0: Wow, that's awesome.
1: Because I think I just had it in my iTunes from when I used to just use iTunes to listen to music like we all used to do back in the day.
0: All right, I, I feel like this yeah. this calls for an impromptu dig through the title crates for yes. Ruby.
1: Okay, while we're playing this, I'm gonna think of my favorite Khalees song.
0: Okay. Okay, it is. We got 12-inch versions. We got all sorts of- we got instrumentals. Let's
1: go! We're we
0: gonna we going go for um, 12-inch <laughs> version. I mean- The 12-inch. Yeah, okay. Let's go. Look at that. Load up. Actually, if you don't mind me telling you, this the first time I ever heard this was on a Spinbad mixtape. Shout out Spinbad R.I.P. Yes. One of the greats. Nina Mendoza says uh, MJ sings background vocals on this one.
1: an Asian vibe to it. Like a Japanese vibe. Like the, the, the melodies? melodies. Yeah. yeah. This is the other Jackson sister that people don't talk about as much.
0: Yeah, that's right. She's what the youngest sister?
1: I think that's Janet. I think Rebby might be like the oldest sister.
0: Wow. Yep. We'll get. Well, let's go to the second, the next chorus, and, we'll, and then we'll cut it.
1: Okay. This is so good. Thanks for bringing this up, Paul.
0: Structure. Let's go to the chorus.
1: Yes. Oh,
0: sorry, free chorus. My bad. You know what this
1: called? My favorite note. You can definitely hear Michael in there.
0: It's so good. Wow. Good it. call. Good call.
1: Big tune. Yeah. That's why I learned that from my dad. So, I mean, he's he's got good taste.
0: Yeah. Shout out dads. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Okay.
1: So, I think my favorite Felice track, it's kind of cliche, but I love it so much, is probably Trick Me.
0: Oh, it's not cliche at all. That's I feel like that's actually kind of a a slept on joint. Um, let's pull up Trick Me. Uh, let's pull up the the title crates. Shout out title. Oh, I got it already. I already got it in the yeah. in the, in the. This is
1: great. A great tune. I love uh, it's a nice tempo. It's like, you know, that 105 110 kind of tempo that is great for a lot of different settings.
0: And I think Dallas Austin produced this one too. This is
1: It, it is Dallas Austin, right? And a Little X video for
0: corner How? Little that's X that's produced... Did he? Yo, that's a Toronto link right there.
1: Toronto <laughs>
0: <laughs> Playing the, the radio mix here, guys.
1: Freedom to you has
0: always been. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Apparently, that's okay. Yeah. Me twice. No, me Won't let you me twice. it's a great song and i love uh everything from the you know the tasty era like in terms of the creative direction and her like visual and the whole aesthetic was like really fire as well
0: i definitely gotta give uh another shout out to nina because she plays a song that i totally slept on by Kalis called sugar honey iced tea and that's like what a jam what a jam uh, that's also I think Tasty era too so Tasty is like, like the whole album is has got so many joints on it. Millionaire
1: Millionaire, oh that's so good too, that's probably oh, my man. second favorite but yeah, she's, Calise is a queen, I love her so much I think she's someone who you know, the heads definitely love and respect her but I think like she kind of gets slept on a bit and doesn't like really get her flowers like from the greater greater public and music industry
0: yep and yeah, but she she's she's living the life now. She's she seems to be enjoying uh, her life off the music world, and and yeah, uh, you know she's farming. She's got this farm in California. From, I think I know about. Uh, but yeah, shout out, I Calise. love that for her. Yeah, and um, oh man, oh I could just go on about Kelly's for hours. Really, honestly, she's just the best, and I'm so glad she that we have like, that.
1: Yeah, that's like our shared like interest. <laughs> our main shared interest is. Achilles. Uh, she has a song called uh, with Richard X as well, called "Finest Dreams." It's like a cover of like "The Finest," which is like a really cool song. I don't know if that's on streaming services. But Shall we
0: see? This is the let's ultimate test. Check it out. So you said I think you, you actually sent this to me um, pre-streaming. Uh, Richard X. Oh, hold on. I gotta. There we go.
1: Yeah, I don't know if this is on streaming services.
0: I don't is even it? know who Richard X is. Does Does anyone know? He's like
1: a. He's like a British like producer like kind of like a dance music bootleg guy. Okay. I think.
0: <laughs> no, it doesn't look like it is.
1: Okay, well this is another one for the Serato Discord.
0: Oh, hold on. 4th of July? No, it's a Richard X remix. I don't think that's the one.
1: Guys, join the Serato Discord. Do we have a Or or join the JM
0: Discord. Yeah, I think we got a we got it. Yeah, we got you got it. But also join the, the JMKM Discord. It's definitely yeah. popping over there. We
1: could do that too. We could do a little JM Discord action.
0: Yeah. But yeah, she, <laughs> her, her catalog is, is, is crazy. And I feel like she was very well... Uh, did she have a, a record that only came out in England? Yeah. Was that think, the, uh, not the Kaleidoscope? What was that?
1: Kaleidoscope was the more recent one. I think it was another like foodie name, no?
0: Yeah. Not KC.
1: Anyway, it was something else.
0: She's definitely some like, it's kind of like the UK takes, like latches onto a, a part of like American culture and really, really gets into it. And yeah. America's kind of like, well, North America, I should include us in that sometimes just like totally sleeps on it. Misses
1: the boat. Yeah. And, and then totally.
0: the, the UK like, Hey, <laughs> you guys forgot about this one. And you know, they have like a career over there. Yeah. Wonderland, that's the Wonderland.
1: One Thank it you. Event- D-Funk. yeah, D-Funk's right. It eventually landed, but after the fact. Awesome. Yeah, Love Please Queen, amazing.
0: Um, so again, still on the subject of this, but who are who are some of the most important Asian American DJs that that are to you as an as a DJ?
1: Um, I mean, definitely DJ Pump, obviously because uh, he's from my hometown, and um, I was just super spoiled to see him DJ and kill it every weekend for so many years of my life. Um, Oh my God, there's like seriously so many. There's like so many Filipino DJs who are just so fire. I have to shout out Vinrock one time because Vinrock's Dancehall Flava's mixtape was another incredible mixtape that I just was obsessed with. And um, I didn't know him at all. I literally just met him I was a a fan of him before social media really like popped off. And then uh, when social media became a thing, I somehow connected with him through there. Probably I was like posting his stuff and then tagging him. You know what I mean? That's another cool thing about social that I think sometimes we take for granted is how easy it makes those connections happen. And uh, Fran Boogie said that mixtape is legend. It really is. Um, And uh, when I went to the last time I went to the Bay in 2013, I think it was 2013, I met up with Vinrock, and that's how I first met Live and Prove. Oh, no way. That's the right connection. Yeah, I went to see a show. I went to see Onra at a bar called Soam Bar. I think it was called Soam. And um, that's how I met them. So yeah, Vinrock, love. Um, who else? So Super Sam, who's like a really good friend of mine.
0: 143 um, fam.
1: Yeah, 143 fam. But Sam is someone again who like uh, I knew who she was and followed her on social media and then we ended up meeting through mutual friends and um, became good friends and stayed in touch and now we've like done so many things together, but I love what she's I, lo- I love what she's all about and I love what she's built with her own brand and with 143 and how she continues to evolve um, what she's doing. I think that that is such a key thing, you know? And it's kind of like a recurring theme in this conversation, but like just staying curious and always learning and and figuring out how you can um, stay connected to your passions in different ways. And what Sam's doing now, you know, I know she kind of always wanted to do more stuff like that, like more hosting stuff. And uh, now she's got, you know, a show on SiriusXM and she's doing something with MTV like coming up this week. So. Sam is crazy influential to me as well. And then, I mean, I have to say Frieza Chin. Yeah,
0: hey, you can big up Frieza Chin. Frieza Chin did the Serato's Kitchen. We love Frieza.
1: Yeah, I have to say Frieza because, um, well, the question was, who are some important Asian-American DJs? So, him. But, no, Frieza, I think uh, it's, like, obviously, it maybe seem obvious to people. Like, that's my partner, and I love him. But, like, he's also someone who's always encouraged me to like, be curious and learn new things. Like when I first moved to Toronto, I didn't really know people who were like in the underground scene. I was always into like UK music, but I didn't know how to be part of it. I didn't know how to do it. I was like, how do I even play this music? Like, where do I play this music at? And um, connecting with Frieza and then, you know, everything that we've started to do and build since then has really been I think a lot of people, like, you know, they know that we do it together, but, like, I think I'm much more the face of things sometimes, and he's kind of more in the background.
0: Yeah, which is low-key, for sure.
1: Very low-key. But I think that's kind of, you and I have spoken about this before, I think, too, Kati. Like, that's kind of his, like, personality, and it makes sense he's an engineer, you know what I mean? Like, what their strength is is, like, uplifting people around them and, like, making them look and sound great. So I think sometimes, like... I might be the one who's like more the face of our certain projects or, but he's definitely part of it and, um, very influential person to me. And so. he's
0: so talented. Like if you haven't checked it out already, like the Serato's kitchen we had with Frieza on Monday was really, really amazing. And I even talked to Frieza about it. He was like, I don't know. Like he's not really a front facing <laughs> person in that way, but everybody yeah. loved that so much. And, um, I thought, yeah, I mean, he's did such an amazing job and his beats, the the beats he made were incredible. And, I mean i understand though it's not for everybody to to put yourself out there like that you know um sometimes you don't you just don't, it's not an interest and in, and it's great like yeah he's he's kind of selfless in that way which is really lovely to give your talents away to people help support them is such a a, a super you know nice thing to do for somebody you know in that way so big up yeah frieza.
1: big up frieza and shout out surreal surreal says big inspo to me that's super sweet surreal is super fire dj good friend of ours he has a show on our radio station which is one of my absolute favorites um shout out surreal we miss you
0: big up surreal um so yeah uh, on, on still on the, on the same topic though um, i'm curious mm-hmm. to know um where where are we at with representation representation and popular culture and where would you like mm-hmm. to see it go and i th- feel like you you're very qualified to answer this question because you really you really are kind of on the front lines, you know, with things like co-work and and, um, Um, a a lot of initiatives, you know, you're very um, upfront about those sorts of things. And it's great to see that you care so much and champion these things. Um, So Mm. I'm very keen to hear what you have to say about this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that it's getting like, in terms of representation in pop culture, like it's getting better, you know? it's it's getting better and um there's always going to be that kind of like in between time where like society has like realized that we like can't just like prioritize straight white males anymore and that we need like more diversity across the board and it's not going to happen overnight I think that's the thing is like we need to a recognize it's not going to happen overnight b um like while recognizing that, not like getting complacent and being like, oh, it'll happen eventually. Like, just like, we all need to constantly make sure that we are like striving for better and more diverse and more representation in everything we do. We all need that. You know what I mean? And so I think that's just something that I try to really like abide by with my own practices. Like am I making sure that there's all different kinds of people involved with this, project because there's no reason why there shouldn't be there's so there's so much choice now uh, you can find like a queer person who DJs every different kind of music or a woman who makes beats or a woman who's an engineer or like a trans person or whatever it is it's like they're 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 all there um and it's just like a matter of like if you're someone who has like a little bit of pull or you're like putting something together or you're programming something or you're having a party like it's not that much effort to like make sure that you're doing your part by making it inclusive and and representative because ultimately like music and pop culture is like a very like, it's not one kind of person who's doing it. It's actually so much of like music culture anyways comes from like the queer community. So um, yeah, you have a responsibility to make sure that you're involving all these different communities in whatever you're doing. Speak with your time and wallet scratch bass, it just says yes yeah so um yeah while I do think that it's getting better I still think there's obviously like a long way to go like literally like every week I see an- another like thing that's happening a stream event that's like all dudes and I'm like come on guys like out of like this 12 hours you couldn't like it should always be 50 50 or more if you can make it you know like get some women in there no one wants to watch dudes for 12 hours, DJ. I'm sorry, it's not that interesting. <laughs> <I> mean, um.
0: <laughs> it's funny you say that, but also um, I, I saw I watched a documentary recently called Underplayed. Um, yeah, great if, doc. If, it's free to watch on Prime, and uh, I was shocked. Uh, I was like really shocked that uh, we we don't do a good job of uh, well, I guess. So many people in power don't do a good job. And I, you know, in, in some ways, I include myself in this, of uplifting and making sure that we meet uh, like 50%. That would be equal. But the, where it is in this documentary I watched was 3% is like... The...
1: Three fucking percent. Like, that is a real number, y'all. Three percent. That's horrible.
0: I'll be honest with you. For I was, was shocked. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I didn't is- know.
1: This is why it's important to like, yeah, make yourself aware because like not knowing is a legitimate thing because we've been fed a certain narrative for so long. You know what I mean? And but that's why you really have to take it upon yourself to, like, make sure you know what the actual hell is going on out there and how things really are. And then you can actively change it. so yeah, and it's it's not, it's not also okay to like ask for help with those things. Like If you legitimately don't know, then you don't know. And then hit up someone else who can maybe point you in the right direction, you know? Like if you're like, hey, I would love to like get more tapped in with the queer community. I would love to have a, a trans person on this DJ lineup to get that representation. Or I would love to have someone who's differently abled. Like just ask someone um, and, you know ask me hit me up send me a dm <laughs> and that's I'll always, send you a
0: <laughs> that's always something that was really cool and and one of the things i really i really got out of the you know the co extremes streams in particular that we did was yeah i didn't know who these people were and now i do and that was like a great gift that you know you were able to kind of to provide and and now that i do like i'm actively making sure that uh, on twitch or on ig and social medias that i'm following people and and, and and educating myself because kinda of yeah. to your point, I guess you can, you can you can do that. Like everyone has the ability to follow people and not be a weirdo and yeah. just watch and learn.
1: Totally. It's important to follow people who are like outside of your immediate everyday communities, you know, like get some different perspectives in your life and and that's something that i learned so much like i'm still learning this you know like i i'm still learning about my own unconscious bias my own internalized misogyny like all that stuff like it's it's okay to like not have it all figured out it's not okay to not be trying to like move that needle you know
0: that's a jm gem right there a jm gem. gem
1: but yeah, yeah. Le- like i would just i would encourage everybody like to challenge yourself in that way and you'd, you'll you probably be like surprised and delighted and inspired by what you find, you know? Yeah. I'm so thankful that I have been able to, you know, like be part of so many like queer events in Toronto. That's something that I never had in Calgary. And um, it's been so inspiring. I've learned so many great artists. I've been to some of the best parties Um, and that's something I would have never had if I never, like I said, like did some learning and unlearning.
0: Yeah, that, I think that's, that's a really important part because, uh, yeah, a lot of the history we've taught, we've been taught isn't correct necessarily. Um, and- Revisionist history. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, and I honestly, um, you know, I think when we were involved with the original Spread Love stream, um, that was one of the things I, I really- recognized uh as a as a straight white person is how ha- how the relationships I've had with people like yourself, with people like Nina, with people like um, you know, Marky and Proof and, and Derek and the people I work with, uh how, how much that's helped me learn about the things that I, I don't know, you know, and and uh those relationships are, are safe spaces so, so that people mm-hmm. can kinda of help, you know, educate uh, in a in a safe space.
1: Totally. Yeah. So, Love all those people you just named, by the way. Yeah. And that the Spread Love, the original, I think it was three days, if I'm remembering it properly, was like just such a great thing to be part of. And I was super thankful to be included in that.
0: And we're doing it again Friday. Friday, <laughs>
1: everybody, yeah, pull if up.
0: If you type in lineup, uh, exclamation point lineup command in the chat, um, it'll pull up the lineup, the times um, that the Spread Love event is happening this Friday, or Saturday if you're in New Zealand, because we're global. There you go, thank you very much, Proof. Uh, so you can see we've got Get Live, Sammy G, Lyrics Born, DJ Trey, Baby You, Lani Love, Shortcut and Loke, and Jamison, uh, Jasmine, <laughs> Jazz, Jasmine Solano, my bad. Um, so,
1: oh, wow, I love Shortcut as well. Yeah. So influential.
0: Absolutely. So yeah, and definitely, amazing. it's free, just show up, hang out. You're show gonna up. see some of the, the coolest DJs um, Rocking amazing music, so.
1: funk said Jameson would be fire. Jasmine's fire too, but you're right. Jameson would be fire.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a, we gotta do that, at Clev. At Jameson, oh, sorry,
1: funny. Jasmine. <laughs> Love Jasmine.
0: Um. So on that, what is? Uh, this is the question we ask every guest on this show. Uh, mm-hmm. It is about the power of music, and we want to know what does the power of music mean to you.
1: Yeah, this is a good question. Honestly, I'm probably gonna start crying if I think about this one too much because I just think at like about all the things I've learned, all the experiences I've had, all the memories I've made, all the people I've met. Like, my life has been so unbelievably enriched in almost any way possible you can think of by music. I can't even imagine my life without, it. I literally can't imagine it. Um, and just like coming, you know, even I think about the last five years of living in a city like Toronto, coming here, I knew a handful of people and like now I have this life that it's not always been easy, but like, I love it and I'm proud of it and um, I'm so thankful for it. And this, it's literally all because of music. Um, so it is it's so powerful and I'm just like so I'm so thankful that we have it.
0: Absolutely. Music brings people together, right?
1: It does. It brings people together, it makes people happy. It pays people's bills. Like I still have never gotten over the fact that I can like earn money like <laughs> from it. <laughs> that is super unreal. Um, and I think, you know, people, like, I always say that, like, if you, if you would do something for free anyways, but you can earn money for it, that's, like, really wild.
0: That's the win-win for sure.
1: Biggest win. orchids. thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thank you, Orkheads. Um So, yeah, on that, can you tell us mm-hmm. about your record label? Bear Selection is your record label. Um, yeah. Can you tell me what, what? just tell us a, a brief overview of what, what it is and what you're trying to achieve with Bear Selection.
1: Mm-hmm. Bear Selection is a label for sure. I mean, it's it's more than a label because we've done many different things sort of like under that umbrella. Um, but Bear Selection was founded as a, you know, a passion project by myself and Frieza to platform artists and music that we loved and that we felt like needed a little bit more shine. Um, especially where we live because we like a lot of like UK genres more like UK underground stuff like garage and grime and and drill and some of those sounds those sounds are really important to us in our relationship. That's how we met and um, became friends and then eventually partners. And um, so we love that. And yeah, Nina just posted in the chat. <laughs> it's uh, sounds and experiences from Toronto, London and beyond. The whole point of the label is really to just create connections um, between places and artists. And uh, we've released music with a bunch of Toronto artists, a bunch of artists in London. We were originally only releasing instrumental stuff, but now it's like branched out, and we've done like some vocal releases. Our last release we did with an artist named Flodan, who is, um, you know, one of the original grime MCs. So that was like really exciting for for Frieza and myself. Like Flowdown is literally one of the first MCs I ever heard doing grime back in 2003 on a Sidewinder tape. Wow. And uh, What's the release? release It's called Guilty as Charged. Okay, we can uh, pull
0: this up. Is it on streaming platforms?
1: It's on streaming platforms, yeah. So it's uh, four songs, two two produced by Frieza and two produced by Trey Mission, who is another amazing artist and family to us. So yeah, Bear Selection is really just about, that's what it's about. It's about platforming artists and sounds that we love in different ways through our releases and through our events when we used to have them. And um, it's also just a fun way for Frieza and I to tap into like these complementary skill sets that we have um, in order to create something. And um, I loved doing our like events and stuff. Surreal actually, we done a few events with visions, we had like a haunted dream that we did. We did a party with murder. He wrote. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how we can revive that part of what we do in post-pandemic. Honestly, I thought about doing stuff under, like doing bear selection streams and stuff, but I was so busy doing my own streams and also a lot of like the the magic of like a bear selection event is like the in-person like vibe and like being in a, you know, a tiny room with a low ceiling and everyone's together. So we did do one in early pandemic. We did an in it zoom.
0: Is that- it's so? Uh, when you say low ceilings, I'm instantly transported to Sean Paul's, uh, what is the Sean Paul, the Toronto video where you <laughs> did a little X where they Give, the Give me the light, Give yeah. me the
1: light. Yeah, that's also a director X yeah. classic. Um, what is, what is yeah,
0: the... we- Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out which flow flow dance song to pull out. What's the name of the...
1: Oh, I think that... Which is the one that's the big one on streaming? I think it's Light Work. Okay. Or you want to do Eagle Cry? Let's do one of Frieza's. Eagle Cry. Okay.
0: Let's get those numbers up. Eagle Cry. Just so people... Let's get those
1: streams up. There we go. Yeah, so it's fun. I mean, we do... Obviously, they're on streaming services, and then we release on Bandcamp as well. And... um. It's super fun releasing music.
0: Definitely got to get the, the Bandcamp purchase. Those are the ones. Yeah. So this is Eagle Cry by Flo Dan on Bear Selection Records. Mm-hmm. Produced by Freeza
1: Get yeah. This I keep baking it, baking it.
0: Yo, we sent out it. the search party and kick back back 'cause the kiddies them ain't never gonna let that slide. Them and they can't miss the program and get where you know it gets chilly on the road more time. Some and I read Bibles, so I be judging some. I bless for the sting so they won't backtrack, so they can't baptize. In nine nights, that's hard. Oh, bread, and fried fish. Them where I go. If they act stupid and tell them in the no car, man, we never be late. You know, Long man, I wait for the location for catch them chili, them butt in the bush we put eat I can't me like feel it took with never food twice when man offered that pee. That's like worth and when I paid to pay to sit every car You wish you was blessed with me. Cause I nah, don't rest until we get even Still it on a fly when I hit pop season. I fly when I hit pop season. No explanation with any reason. No explanation
1: with any reason. Yo, we make the eagle cry. I nah, don't rest until we get even Still it on a fly when I head pop season. I'm
0: Explanation
1: with any reason we make the eagle cry Whoa
0: That's eagle cry Let's get the, we, yeah. we, we need for this, we need the Because that's a fire track Yo, big up, freezing chin That is
1: exactly the vibe Yeah, so that was uh, eagle cry Flo Dan from Guilty as Charge um, Yeah, it's, it's fun It's really fun doing the label um, It's sort of like you know, like I said, it's a way for us to, like, use these, like, complementary skill sets we have um, to, like, uplift artists. So, like, when when artists release with us, um, obviously, Frieza, who does all, like, the curation, he does all the, like, mixing and mastering and that side of things. And then I'm doing more of, like, the PR and, like, marketing and all of that stuff. So, um, that those are the kind of things that, like, as an independent artist, you could do on your own, but you might have to, like, spend a little bit of money to do those. So that's kind of like the draw for an artist to release with us. They're like, I'm just going to like release with so these people. have to like mix and master or do any of that or like do any marketing. And it's going to like get out there and do its thing.
0: Yeah. Um, so dope.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Infinity, love you so much. And uh, another thing that's fun about doing the label too is like, like for instance, I'm going to put it in the chat right now, but like um, we have this friend Hector who's like a great artist and like I'd been wanting to like do something with him, but I just like didn't know what. I was like, I'm not gonna like I don't know, I just didn't know what. So we actually um, got him to do the artwork for this release and I just posted it in the chat. Um, he does these like really cool like he'll take photos and then he like draws on them and does some like sick shit and he like made us this cool like jiffy thing I posted in the chat. so it's just like a cool way to like collaborate with people and like do cool shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's their selection.
0: There's definitely like the I love the Toronto UK like connect there cuz that for a long time as a Canadian and knowing about a little bit about Toronto there's always been like a, a huge drum and bass scene for example in Toronto and yep. there's been lots of really interesting connections there which are are really cool um so yeah, it's it's so neat. Yeah.
1: It just makes sense, you know, like those two cities they're very different but like I would say the thing that um kind of binds them together is that like immigrant culture and and specifically um, people from the Caribbean and African diaspora are very like influential in both of those cities when it comes to like culture and music and all that stuff. Absolutely. So um, yeah, it just kind of like makes sense to do. But there's so many things I want to do with their selection in the future, you know, like, like I said, I want to do more events, like um, the Windrush generation, exactly. Um, yeah, and just I want to like involve more people in it, really, because that's what it's there for. It's to platform artists and to collaborate with people. So,
0: Build if anyone community.
1: ever has an idea, just like hit us up.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. It's so, so good for the community to be able to uplift them through that too. Mm hmm. Um, look, I think we're, we've gone a little bit, we're just on, overtime here. So oh my
1: God, we've gone like, so I, I didn't know how long this, I was like, is this an hour? But like, I knew we were just going to like talk and it was going to go by so fast. Cause this is what happens in our regular combos.
0: Yeah, you got it. But, um, I think, uh, yeah, we should probably wrap it up here. I want to say thank you. A huge thank you to, to JMKM, Josephine, our gracious guest for her time today. Um, I hope it was all beneficial to everyone in the chat. Um, and, um, I think before we go, I want to, well, to, to kind of like leave, I want to play one of the songs, uh, also of Freeza's, if you don't mind, uh, offers Wave Runner EP.
1: And it's a great EP.
0: With Manga, he right?
1: Made, yeah. He made that with Manga, who is another artist we've released with on the label. And, um, Manga is one of the sickest. He's so talented and I am always inspired by him. Great work rate and someone who is always pushing himself and wanting to learn new things. Like he was like, I'm gonna try to make beats. And then we got him on Serato Studio and introduced him to Blakey. And now he's been like making beats and like putting, putting out beats. Like, and I, I, I think that's so inspiring because he could, I know for sure he could get in his head and be like, oh, I can't make beats, I'm, I'm an MC. But he's, he's doing it.
0: <laughs> and this EP is fantastic. Um, if you haven't got it, Wave yeah. Runner. By Manga St. Hilaire and Frieza Chin. And it's, yep. uh, is this a bear selection release?
1: Uh, no. no. It wasn't.
0: Uh, just an independent thing. <laughs> Weirdly. All good. <laughs> yeah. But again, thank you so much, jo- Josephine. And um, yeah, acknowledging this is the a- Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. We're also having the Spread Love Festival on Friday. I hope you guys can come. That's a uh, big shout out to our homies, Spread Love, which is Fran Boogie and Proof from the Bay. And um, this will this, this whole episode will stay up on Twitch and YouTube, so you can check it out later. Um, any last words, Josephine?
1: I mean, no. Like, I just really appreciate uh, this opportunity and this space to like chat with you. And I'm so thankful to you for everything that you've done for me and my career. And to Serato, I love Serato. And I love everybody who's in the chat. Thank you so much for pulling up and, and sticking around and listening. And uh, this was really
0: fun. We love you too, Josephine, and thank you so much for always repping heavy for us and uh, Hell yeah. everything you do. So
1: it till I die.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Let's uh, <laughs> let's run it out with uh, with voices off the Wave Runner EP. Bye
1: let's guys. Go.